This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Philippians. Now, this is our eighth portion of this series. We have taught on seven more before this that all connects, and it's so important that we understand that. Again, I'm so excited about everyone. We're moving on. Now, those have gotten filled with the Holy Ghost, and those of you that wish you would have came down, no worries. You can get filled with the Holy Ghost wherever you are, at home, whatever. You just, you just do it according to the Scriptures, and the Holy Ghost, you just be filled with the Holy Ghost, and we move forward. In the book of Philippians, we're continuing on the subject of staying focused and undistracted. So important. Remember, whatever we're talking about, our main focus is staying focused and undistracted. Amen. And we as a body of believers, we tend to get let things get us off track very quickly. I mean, things just come up just because of life. And it just gets us all focused and undistracted. And God is, God is telling us we need to stay undistracted. Amen. And then we said that focus and undistracted really means to stay your course. God has already put out a course for you to go on. You've got to stay on that course no matter what happens. Things are going to happen in life. Things are going to change in your life as you get older, as you get those of you that are younger, that are going to college, getting through with college, going into another phase. Things are going to happen and change in your life. You have to still stay focused and undistracted in the midst of it. In the midst, because it's coming. Every, all those kind of things come. Just like people since we've come back. Everybody, see, everybody, they love the streaming. They love not coming to church. And and let me tell you, all of this is to show. It's like, okay, they can't even get the rhythm back. They won't even try to get the rhythm back. They're somewhere they've gotten off focus. With everything that has happened in two years, it's easy to get off focus. You gotta you gotta have tunnel vision and say, you know what? Nope, I can't. Because let me tell you, when you're undistracted and you're and and or when you're distracted and you're not focused. I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot see anything. You cannot hear anything. You cannot see what we're doing. You can't, you're like, well, I, well we could just do that. I, you know, I like just, just doing it at home. And if, nope. And you'll forget, this is, this is so important, you'll forget what it was like two years ago. When you were coming because things were happening in your life. And see, things change and you like forgot. You forgot. See, you thought that you think I can get away from the things of God and my marriage can still be kept. But when you came here, it wasn't kept. And because of the Word of God, it's what kept you. And then you leave it. Because you forgot. You're all focused. You forgot. Well, I remember when I first came there, I was in so much trouble. And that, and God moved. But you forget. And guess what? They'll be back. They'll be back. Because they're gonna, all of those things will revisit you. They'll say, excuse me? Remember me? And be like, oh, darn. 
And then you have to come back and humble yourself. Well, we're going to find out about being humble. I'm like, you cannot be distracted. You cannot be distracted by the pandemic. You cannot be uh, distracted by the war. You cannot be distracted. You see it, you know it, but you still stay focused. Amen. I told you that the adversary have his tricks. He have old tricks. He make you think they're new, but they are old. Amen. And the only way that God is going to use you is that you stay on course. God cannot use a person that will not stay on course. I did not say that you wouldn't miss it sometime. I'm just saying, but you get back on course. You don't just leave and just, oh, no, you know, I'm all off. And then you get deeper and deeper. No, you don't do that. A person who can't keep course... On course, God will not use. Amen. God has created a pattern for us, so we have to stay on that. we got to follow the pattern that God has laid out for us. Not our own pattern, His pattern. Amen. And it's nothing worse than a believer that don't know what to do when issues come up in their life. Many issues, let me tell you, issues come up that you never had to deal with. Issues are going to come up in all of our lives where things that we never had to deal with, and you still have to stay focused in the midst of that, in the midst of saying, you know what, I've never had to deal with this. No, but I have to stay focused. And I surround myself with people that are focused. You have to surround yourself. Now, if you surround yourself with people that are not focused, you're going to be worse. But you have to surround yourself with people that are focused. I heard the minister say this morning, like, don't go trying to find somebody that, that's just as off-focused as you to try to get advice from. No, 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 no. And you, don't, and you don't do it from your peers that don't know as much as you know. We've told you that time and time again. Last week we were looking at the reality and the essentiality of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And God did exactly what he's going to say. Those that wanted it, God, you have it. You have it. And you have to go home and every day spend time, quiet time to yourself. And you just keep on your prayer language will get more and more fluent. More and more fluent. You just Because you just practice in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And then we looked over in Acts, I think, chapter 2, around verse 39. You don't have to go there. And he said that this promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit, was for you, it was for your children, and it was for all that was far, was afar off, as many as the Lord our God has called. Everybody, God, it is for everyone. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost to have the power. Amen. And then I told you that nothing that is of God can carry out God's plan for its existence unless there has been an intervention in the life of it. There has to be an intervention, no matter what the plan is, no matter what your situation there has to be an intervention in the life of whatever that thing that's going on by the Holy Spirit. It has to be. You have to have the intervention of the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to get you where you need to be. That's what's going to, everything is going to be all right in every situation. <clears throat> I don't care if you have a situation that's, that's in your life and you see, why isn't this going that way? Why is it? It doesn't matter. It, until the Holy Spirit intervenes in it, you need to just stay calm and say, Father, I need the Holy Spirit to intervene in this thing. And when he intervenes, it's going to be all right. He's going to show you where the error is, or he's going to show you where you need to slow down. He's going to show you where you need to speed up. He's going to show you something. Amen. And then uh, in Philippians chapter 2, let's read verses 5 through 14. It says, Let this mind be in you, that which, all was, which also was in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is of God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputing. Do all things without murmurings. Do all things without murmurings. Do all things without murmuring. No, it's not a broken record. I want you to hear that. It said do all, not some, did it say some things? All things without murmurings and uh, disputing. There should be no arguing back and forth. There shouldn't be any of that back and forth in and out. You know what? That's one thing I can't stand. I can't stand in the, for the brethren, the back and forth, the in and out. We're not going to do any of that. Amen? So, in this, everything that Jesus has is available to us. God made it that way. And the single most reason why we do not walk in the same things that Jesus walked in, even though we have everything that he had, is simply we're not focused and we are distracted. We looked at, we talked about several different prophets that was focused and we saw the victories that they have. We talked about Daniel, Job, I mean all of Noah, everybody that was focused and on point. They stayed the course. They had victory. And every prophet that failed, or everyone that failed, you see, they got off something, got them off focus. You have to stay focused. Amen? And in the Old Testament, we see all... And, and now, Daniel and Job and Noah, all, the, all of them had victory without being filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost walked with them. He wasn't in them. So we have it better. He is in us. We should be doing better. We should be doing more than these prophets did. These prophets did a marvelous thing without being filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm. That that you know what that just should make us say, you know what I mm-mm, I need to do better. God has made everything available to us. And we try to get away from what those things that God has made available to us. How do we try to get away from them? We try to do our own thing. Whenever you're trying to do your own thing, you're trying to get away from what God has already established for you. It's like the minister said this morning. It's a standard. It's already set in the Word. And there is no negotiations with that. You cannot compromise it. God's never going to change His standard. So the standard is already, you don't have to get a standard with the Word of God. It's, a, it's already a standard. It's already there. It's the standard is set. That's why when people think that God will change for them, you got another thing coming because the standard is set. Are you following me? Remember I told you we're like a moving train. But let me tell you, if you jump off, the train is still moving. And when you go back to try to get on, it's not going to be there. And then you're going to act like God is not there. I've been praying and nothing happened. Nothing. No, no, no. You got off the train. 
you got to stay on the train because this train is going to keep moving on and on and on. Amen? And let's zero in on verse 8. It says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Let's look at the process that Jesus took whereby God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. That name that's above every name. And what did Jesus do with that name? He said, this name that's above every name, he said, I'm going to give it to you. You can use that name. That's one of the things that he left for us. He gave it to us. He gave it to you. He gave it to me. And we are made joint heirs with him. And not only do we have his name, listen, we need to use Jesus' name. We need to use it like that saying that they have with America's Press. Don't leave home without it. Don't leave home without it. You use his name for everything that you need, everything that, everything that you're making decisions about. Your decision-making process must be centered around that name. Because then you're going to make the right decisions. You're going to make, make decisions that may not make sense to the world. See, see, we think if it makes sense, it's God. But most of the time, what God is going to tell you is not going to make sense to the world. That's one of the ways you can pretty much tell that it's God. It's not going to make much sense to the world. But nevertheless, God speaks. Amen. Because the Bible tells us that at, the, at that name, that name that he gave us, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. And we have a privilege, the privilege of using that name that every knee is going to bow. But in using it, we must use it properly. Now, God highly exalted him and gave him a name. And he didn't just stop there. He said, now, I gave you a name that's above the name, every name. He said, but now, now that you finished the work, now come sit right here at my right hand. Sit right here at my right hand. And then the first thing that Jesus did when he sat at his right, right hand, you know, he said, he, he came right back to us. He said, now I'm going to cause all of you all to sit in the heavenlies with me. See, we take these things too lightly. See, he's talking about the authority in that name. He said, I'm causing you. He's already have me sitting at his right hand. And I have caused you to sit in heavenly places with me. Do you get it? I've given you authority in that name, and I'm having you sit in heavenly places with me. And see, I love that. To, just, to know that, I, Father, I have, I have some authority because I'm sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, listen to me closely. And so after that, here's what God said. God said, now. Now that you have them sitting in heavenly places with you, you're sitting at my right hand. And he said, now listen, the whole fullness of the Godhead I have invested in you. Talking about his son. The whole fullness of the Godhead. We know what the Godhead is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He said, the whole fullness of the Godhead I have invested in you, my son. And Jesus, by virtue of what he did on the cross, have got the whole Godhead invested in him. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. 
Remember what I told you last week? It is very important not to eat just any and everywhere. Because you will get so messed up. Let me tell you, this what I'm teaching here is solid. We're going to walk through the scriptures on it. But if you start listening to every other ministry and trying to do what every other ministry do, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You're not going to be able to stand. Some people have not even made it because you've been ate off of too many plates. You need to be solid. Saying, I know what's taught here. I know the food that's, that, that's made here. I don't, I'm not just eating from anywhere. I'm not saying you can't listen to anybody else. I'm talking about eating because what did I tell you? Hey, the food, the food ain't bad until you swallow it, until you eat it. You can hear it, but you don't have to eat it. So very important. Amen. Colossians, the book of Colossians says, All power in heaven and earth has been given unto him. And then it says, we are complete in him. Now, it was given unto him, and we are complete in him, in Jesus. And I love what Jesus did. Instead of just ascending straight on into heaven, he descended. Because all power in heaven and earth be good. He descended. He, 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 he could have just went straight on into heaven, but he descended and went into the lower parts of the earth dealt with things down there in the deep parts of it. That's why it's, that's why we, we had read. I'm like, he's got power in heaven, earth, and under the earth. He descended first, took care of business, because all power was given unto, unto him. And for 40 days, making, he, 40 days, he, I mean, he came back and he walked around and because he knew all power was given unto him. When God raised him from the dead, all power, all power. He was not, I'm saying, he was ruling reign. He was the Lamb of God slain. But now he was, had power. And he said, but I'm leaving it all here with you. We don't utilize this power. Ninety-nine percent of God's people don't utilize this power from on high. Amen. And so when he got back to heaven, see, we're just taking a little journey. And, you know, you can research all of this. If I did all that, we wouldn't have any time to, to take you to every scripture. But the, the Bible says that he went into heaven and poured out the blood on the mercy seat for us. The blood that was, that was shed, he poured it out on the mercy seat for us. And then sat down next to the Father. He had to, he had to take the blood so that we could be free. He had to take the blood so we could be free. And then God looked over at him and said, now you're an heir. And he looked down through the, through the, from third heaven down to earth and said, and they're joint heirs. Those that belong to me. Join heirs means you get exactly what the heirs get. This blessing is in this Bible. And then on his way back up, he stopped by. And, uh, when he was descended, on his way back up, he stopped by in hell. In the darkened, the Lord passed and picked up the Old Testament saints. Come on and go with me. Let's go. See, they was in a compartment called Abraham's bosom. They couldn't go because they needed a Savior as well. 
And so he stopped by to, to just, just grab them right quick. Because the work was done. Because remember, he said it's finished. It's done. And he stops by and he picks up those Old Testament saints and, 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 and brought them on. Brought them out. Ooh, I could see that. Mm-mm-mm. I can imagine. Can you imagine? I can imagine David saying, Oh, Jesus, do I have to go to heaven right now? I want to go to earth. Cause you mean to tell me that the Holy Spirit is going to live in them? I like a shot at that. Because, see, he had already had a shot at it with it just walking with him. And he said, If I could just go and just do that. But, see, we take it for granted. David was like, if I could just have him in me, in me, if, I, if, if you could just drop me on earth and let me just do my thing with the Holy Spirit in me, what kind of power? I'm telling you, that's why angels look down and say, what kind of crazy people are these that's not using all the power that's in them? David was like, I could see David see in my mind's eye. I can see David saying, God, I wish I could go back down there. I bet you one thing, God, if I had that Holy Ghost in me, that Sheba wouldn't have got to me. She wouldn't have got me. She wouldn't have got me. Why? Because, see, he understood the strength of it. Just walking with him. He said, if, she, if he was in me, it's no way. Okay, how good she look. That's why the angels look down at us and stand at all like, they're not using any of that great power. We're busy bickering with each other. We're still being foolish just trying to make it in this life. And, you know, we're back and forth with foolishness and, and all of that. Well, all of this power is on the inside. David said, look how well we did without it. Oh, oh. He's like, I know I killed the lion and I know I killed the bear, but what, what could I have done with him, with the Holy Spirit on the inside? The three Hebrews boys. I bet he, they said, oh God, we went through the fire. We were thrown in a furnace. You got in there with us. We weren't burned. And the Bible said they didn't even smell like smoke with the Holy Spirit not living in them. Just walking with them. Walking alongside. Now what if the Holy Spirit was in them? And we have Him in us. Now how you go in the furnace with, with it lit, hot, 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 don't get burned, and then come out and don't smell like smoke. you got to be smelling like a smoked rib coming out of all of that fire. But when the Holy Ghost is walking on the side of you, they like, I want to go down there. Jesus said, come on, we're going to heaven. You've done what you got. we got other others that have that work to do. Amen. So we have to understand what it means to that. I mean, let me tell you. We have to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things that will help us stay focused and undistracted. Are you I mean, just think. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you, calling you to move, live, move, and have your being 
because of Him. If they could have it just once. And I believe there are a great crowd of witnesses that looked over and said, Lord, if we could just have this once. What if they could just really understand and grab a hold of really the power? See, it's not, see, we think the power is in confessing it or saying it long enough or decreeing and declaring it. Or the, see, that's what we think power is. But power, the power of the Holy Spirit is so much more than just a declaration. The power is that strength that's on the inside of you that makes you stay focused in the midst, make you not move. See, we got to look at Jesus as our example. Because everything he had, we have. We have. So we can stand strong in the midst of death, in the midst of life. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit, He, you, you know what keeps me strong in the, in the, in the, in the constant thought of my husband passing away is the, the, the thought of the strength of the Holy Ghost on the inside always reminding me of the truth of His Word. And then I know I'm going to see Him again because His Word cannot lie. And the Holy Ghost bears witness on the inside of me. And it gets me up. I was looking at Layla yesterday, and, and she looked so much older, and I thought, I said, oh, would Paul, Paul love to see. And that thing started coming, and the Holy Ghost just quickly put me in remembrance. Of what His Word says, and it just strengthened me. Because I, see, I totally believe it. I'm not guessing. I'm not thinking. Well, I hope this is written. No, I believe it. I believe it with all that's within me. And that's what you have to do. Always. You have to stay there. Amen. Now listen. Just think. When David slept with Bathsheba, the Holy Ghost was on the outside. Right there. But now when we commit fornication or adultery, he's in us. See, see, this is what this is where we get our focus. He's invisible. So you're like, well, he might not really be. No, no, he's there. <laughs> when David committed, he was right there by his side. When David killed Uriah, he was right there. So you commit adultery, you commit fornication, you commit... Jesus is on... The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you right there. And the Bible said, grieve not the Holy Spirit that's in you by doing such things. Oh, let's don't go as far as fornication. When you're lying, it's on the inside. Right there. Let's establish something that Jesus did. Look at verse 7. But made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus did nothing to exalt himself. You know, sometimes we don't say anything to exalt ourselves. Listen, 
sometimes we don't say anything to exalt ourselves, but we put ourselves in position to be noticed. Same thing. We don't say it, but I position myself to be noticed. I like, I like, look at 7 and 8. But made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Found himself in that same position that we're in. But guess what? He left his advantage in heaven. Did you hear me? He left his advantage in heaven. Because if he would have bought it with him, it would not have made his life creditable. He couldn't say we could do it. He left his advantage in heaven. Now, God, the Father, no, he could not sin. But Jesus could. You know why? He had a will. Just like us. Now God the Father could not. Because if he... I'm telling you, listen to me closely. Listen closely. Everything that he have, we have. The God part of him could not sin. But Jesus himself had a will. He could have got down off the cross if he wanted to. He didn't. Did you, did you hear me? So here he is in the same position that you and I are in. And the first thing the Bible says he does is humble himself. He humbles himself. Now, it's hard for me to understand, I'm like, how do you, listen, how do you humble yourself and you're God? <laughs> it's like, it's like there's a whole bunch of roaches. I'm just going to go there. And you in the midst of the roaches. And you, it's like you want to say, I'm not really a roach. I'm, I'm just here to do a job. But, you know, you all acting like I'm just like you. I'm really not. But he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Are you with me? Listen. And some of us, we can't be humble if, if we get a raise on the paycheck. We got to show out about that. We make a little bit more money than we made. We show out about that. We get a new car. We show out about that. We get a new house. We show out about that. We, I mean, I mean, and, and I'm not talking about you know just excited about things you have. I'm talking about people that are not humble, not not humble. Some of you, you used to be line workers, and all of a sudden you're a supervisor. You're not humble anymore. Now you like, <laughs> yeah, I used to be on that, but now I'm there. See, no humbling. That's the kind of that's that's what I'm talking about. When you you're just not humble. Now you're boastful. And you're prideful. My house is bigger than yours. My car is better than yours. You used to be a spoke on the wheel. Now you're a wheel. And now I'm somebody. Some of you think you're a wheel in the wheel. 
And that's not true. Just think. You are the creator being humble to the creation. That's that's amazing to me. The creator being humble to the creation. When he sent Jesus, he humbled himself. He left his advantage in heaven and he humbled himself. The Creator humbled Himself to the creation. Hmm, hmm, hmm. First thing He did was humbled Himself. Let's talk about Him being highly exalted. Now if you want to be exalted with Jesus, the first thing you have to do is humble yourself. You want to be exalted? Humble yourself. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Hmm. Let me tell you. Understand that. I want you to understand about about Jesus. Jesus had a will. But as God, he could not sin. First Peter five, verse five. Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, all of you be subject the one uh, one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Now, this brings it down to, it, it doesn't matter who's in charge. That's what this brings down. It doesn't matter who's in charge. Because it says, all of us be subject to one another. Did you hear me? Listen, every spirit-filled husband needs to think on this. Everyone that thinks that there's some kind of big spiritual giant in the home ought to read this. You've got to be subject to one another. Because I know some men, and I'm not saying this because I'm a woman, it's just the truth, because some men feel like the woman should be subject and they feel like they don't have to be subject to their wives. They think their wives just have to be subject to them all the time. And that's unscriptural. But the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, it says, Submit yourself one to another. People have taken this out of context. Men have taken this out of context. You need to be under my authority. Let me tell you, anybody that has to tell you you need to be under my authority, you have no authority. Because a woman of God don't need to be told that. She knows that. But if you have to tell her that, then you don't have no authority. Because first of all, you need to be with a woman that knows God. And if she don't know that already, and you telling her that, well, you know I'm the husband. You don't have to, you don't have to do that. If she's a real woman of God, she knows her place. She knows what she needs to do. And she knows how to submit. And you ought to know how to be submissive to her as well. It goes both ways. God made it that way. And this is what I say to all of our leaders here. And I say to myself, I say it out loud before the congregation. A leader, a person... In leadership, or any leader that can't submit to a follower is a poor leader. Did you hear me? Anyone in leadership that cannot submit to followers, that's a poor leader. 
Because the key to leadership is a servant. That's the key. Key is that what unlocks everything. It's a servant. That's what Jesus said in his teaching in Matthew. It's a servant, Matthew 10. And listen, if you want some authority, let me show you how to get it. Put yourself under authority. That's the way you get authority. You got to put yourself under authority. You need to fit yourself for leadership. See, everybody want to just walk in and step into leadership. But you haven't fit yourself for leadership. You haven't even showed yourself for a whole year to be under authority. You want to have some authority? Make yourself fit for leadership by staying under authority. No other way. It doesn't work that way. We need to get this. Look at verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. Resist the proud. Resist the proud. And give it grace to the humble. The grace, listen, this grace is the sufficiency of God. It's a gift. It's a sufficiency of God. That is what God gives us to function with this grace. Listen, God resists the proud. So listen, so if you're proud, God is resisting you. You're walking around with a proud look. God is resisting you. He said it right here. I didn't say it. He said he resists the proud. Are you with me? Can you imagine being resisted by God? Look at verse 6. Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, or in the fullness of time. He'll exalt you in the fullness of time. If you want to slow down your progress, try to exalt yourself. Now, God will exalt you in due time, but if you want to slow down the process, try to exalt yourself and you'll see it'll slow down. Did you hear me? It won't work. Let me, let me put it to you this way. It won't work in the body. Now, it might work in the world for a little bit. But it's not, it's not going to work at all in the body. Are you with me? It might work in the world a little bit. Are you, are you, but that, that works in the world is temporary. It seems like it's working at the time, but this is what we need to understand. And please write it down. It's nothing wrong with climbing the ladder. Whether it's on your job, whether it's in your community, where it's nothing wrong with that. I want you to know, I'm saying it's nothing wrong with climbing the ladder. But you need to climb it with knowledge. Climb the ladder with knowledge. And please write this down. Longevity does not make qualification. Knowledge does. Longevity does not make qualification. Knowledge does. Oh, I've been at this job 20 years. Yeah, and you didn't learn nothing. I've been at the job 20 years and a year and, and yep, you haven't learned nothing. And you know, somebody came in, they hired somebody last week and they already got my job. Well, they knew your job. When they got rid of you, they put somebody up there. They knew your job. Go back to Philippians chapter 2. Keep your, keep your pen always in Philippians chapter 2. That's our foundation scripture. We'll go back and forth there. Now let's see right quick. Let's just say...
that humility is 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 what what humility is. Let, let, I want to tell you first of all. Let me tell you what humility is not. Humility is not low self-esteem. So, because some people think that's what humility is. It, humility is not letting people walk all over you. It's not. Listen, it is not weak. Weak is not humility. Let me get that straight so we'll understand what humility is. Some people think humility is the way you look. You know, when you're looking all... No, no, that's not humility. That's called ugly. That's what that is. You know, just trying to make their face look like, yeah, I'm really... No, no, no. That's called ugly. That's not humility. It's not in a look. Some people think that. You confuse ugly with humility. Crossing your body over and looking looking a certain way, that's not humility. The Bible says, God said, come boldly to the throne. Throw your shoulders back. Lift your head up. Are you following me? And come to the throne of grace. But yet, even with your shoulders lifted up, your head up, you still come to the throne of grace with reverence. You don't come like, ah, you know, I have a right. You come with reverence at all times. See, reverence and humility can't be how I stand or walk or look. That's not, that, that is not reverence. Let's talk about humility. Humility, by definition, is, is, is exactly what temperance. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you the, 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 the difference, but they're kind of on the same page. And, and they're, they're, I'm going to tell you the difference in the two. Write it down. Humility, listen, is strength yielded to the Holy Spirit. Humility is strength yielded to the Holy Spirit. And please write this down. Humility without strength is weakness. Humility without strength is weakness. In other words, you can't be humble and weak. They're not the same. And that's where God's people miss it. They think being weak and uh, that means something. No, humble and weak. No, no, sir, no, ma'am. You cannot be humble and weak. Listen, humility without strength is weakness. Write this down. Humility is the opposite of weakness. See, we think humility is, oh, just don't say nothing. Be weak. No, no. Humility is the opposite of weakness. They're not even related. Now, you can be able to be humble if you have something to humble with. See, see, see. we think being humble means uh, without. But no, no, no. If you're going to be humble, you have to have something to be humble with. You have to have something to be humble with. Listen to me. I'm, I'm going to break this down for you. You can be, you can be able to be humble 
If you have something to humble with, you have to have something to humble with. You need some strength. That's why you can't be weak and be humble. You got to have some strength. See, weakness means that you're operating from a position of a disadvantage. That's what weakness is. I'm operating from a disadvantage. That is, a, a person have an upper hand on you. You feel like, you know, they're better than me, or they can do it better than me, or they have more than me. And they, you're operating at a disadvantage. Mm. So you act a certain way for your own self-protection. That is weakness. I'm acting a certain way because I feel, you know, you walk in a room and you feel, oh, and I'm like, heck, you know, because I feel like that they have, they're better than me. They're bigger than me. I mean, that's a weakness. That's not humility. Oh, I thought they were so humble. They came in humble. Why? Because they looked a certain way? Because they actually, no, that's a weakness. And they're acting that way because they're feeling that something or somewhere or somebody is better than them. And they're trying to quieten down. That's a weakness. That is not humility. Are you following me? You need some strength. You are not operating at a disadvantage. Amen? You don't have to act a certain way for your own self-protection. If I act a certain way because I'm trying to protect myself, that is a weakness. Did you hear me? But humility is having the advantage. Listen and choosing not to use it for the sake of someone else. Mm. I'll say it again. Humility is having the advantage and choosing not to use it for the sake of someone else. Mm. So the only way for me to be humble, I just have the advantage. You know, as they say in tennis, like they'll say, advantage heel. That means you got this. You know, they say that in tennis. When you're winning, and it's your play, advantage heel, advantage, you have, the, you have the advantage. I'm trying to get you to understand being humble. And understand how Jesus operated in being humble. He had something to be humble with. He had strength. And you have the advantage. You have the upper hand. You can destroy. Now that's the only way to be humble. Is to have advantage. The only way that you can be humble, you must have the advantage. If you don't have the advantage, you don't have anything to be humble with. And that's weakness. And that's weakness. Did you hear me? But the word says that he humbled himself. And the word tells us, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In other words, take your humility and yield it over to the Holy Spirit and let God tell you how to use it. Because you got the advantage. 
See, put it together. You got the back. Now I'm going to humble myself before the mighty hand of God and let him show me how to use this advantage that I have. Now, let me tell you about temperance. Temperance is yielded to the Holy Spirit also. But the difference between uh, 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 temperance, temperance, listen, operates out of agape. Let me explain that to you. See, it's, 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 we can get kind of caught up in that and don't understand. But temperance operates out of agape, the God kind of love. I'm tempered because the Word says it. <laughs> Did you hear me? I'm temperate because the Word says it. But now, humility it operates out of philos, or philos, a different kind of love. In other words, emotions are involved, caring is involved in the humility. Whereas in temperance, I'm doing this because the Word tells me to do it. There's the difference. Did you see the difference? Temperance and humility is different. Temperance operates out of agape. Agape is obeying the word of God. So I'm temper, I'm not going to do this because God's word said I can't do it. Humility has emotions to it. Strength to it. Caring is involved. When I'm, doing, when I'm using humility and I'm doing humility with strength, in other words, I'm doing whatever I'm doing because there's something decent down on the inside of me and I really have a tenderly, brotherly, loving uh, affection for you while I'm doing this. I care about what I'm doing for you. I'm caring about what's happening to you. That's humility. That's strength. I choose to humble myself. Why? Because I genuinely love you. So I'm doing this because I care. That's humility. And I have the advantage, I have the strength to do it. Now temperance, <laughs> temperance is something different. It's acting more out of what God's Word says. Doesn't necessarily mean it has anything to do with it emotionally. It's like, whatever the words say, that's what I'm going to do. No emotions have to be involved with it. That's temperance. In examining the scriptures and going over them, and I, as I was looking at them, I found out that it's a lot more about philo love than it talks about agape love. And in the body of Christ... We always think we should only, you know, operate in agape love, which is the God kind of love. But listen, you know, that God kind of love is obedience to the Word. That's what that is. It's obedience to the Word. So when we operate in agape, we're operating in obedience to the Word. 
doesn't happen in whether we like it or not. Because some things that we obey in the Word of God, we don't necessarily like it. But we obey it because the Word says it. For example, when he said, love those that hate you. We don't like that. Like, I want to hate them back. But I'm going to love them. Why? Because the Word says it. Temperance. Okay. I can do this. Because the Word told me I can. Emotion's not even involved. Love is not necessarily involved. It's just, I'm going to obey the Word. So I'm going to do it. Everybody say, that's temperance. I want, you, I want you to know the difference. It's very important that you know the difference. Temperance is more acting out of, out of what God's Word says. That's it. Are you with me? I obey the Word. It may not have anything to do with my emotions attached to it or whatsoever. But sometimes people need to know that you care. Above being obedient because God's word says it. You know, if you keep giving to someone because God's word says it, after a while, they'll get a complex. Like, oh, you're just giving it to them. There's no love involved. It's just, I know the word say give, so I'm just going give to give it to them. But at some point, a person want to know you care. They want some humility. They want to see your strength. They want to know that you care. See, now, if I give to you, but I also come and sit and talk to you, and we talk about some things, or we, I love on you, everything. Now, now the person is saying, oh, I feel better than you dropping something off because the word tells you to. Temperance. Humility. The Bible said Jesus humbled himself. He's showing you how to use humility, how to use what he had, because we have the same thing. That strength that's on the inside of you for kingdom work. Are you following me? We so we don't we don't we don't want to we want to show people that we care. I'm not just going to feed you because you're hungry, and because the word says it. And if you do, you haven't sinned. But just know you did that because you have temperance of the word. But you have not dealt humility toward them. You're doing it out of a duty to the word. But when you do it with emotions and with caring and feelings, people feel loved. And then they want what you have. And that's the difference between temperance and humility. But guess what? With both of them, you have to have strength. You cannot be weak in humility, and you cannot have, be weak in temperance. You need strength to be humble. Jesus Christ had a lot to, a lot to humble. He had a lot to humble. So you have to have something to hum, humble. You know, when he was on the cross, they said, come down, save yourself. Well, he could have. He could have called a legion of angels and got down. And it would have changed the whole thing. I mean, Jesus Christ had so much strength. Listen, 
with his humility, he had so much strength, he had to give his body permission to die. If he didn't give his body permission, he'd still be hanging on that cross today. He had to give his body permission to die. Everything that he went through, he would have been dead. Let me tell you, all of us, if we would have went through what he went through that night, we wouldn't have made it to the cross. We would have died there. He had to give his body permission to die. Strength. He said, it is finished. I commend my spirit to you. He had to tell the body, it's time to go. Or the body was just hung on that cross. And that just made me happy. Because even the Bible tells us, they couldn't take his life. He said, no man takes my life. You don't have no authority to. You can't. Remember they went to throw him over the hill and they said he just walked through the crowd. They didn't even know. They were like, well, what do we do? You know, we were supposed to throw him. I mean, you have a big crowd. You could just run over him. They couldn't even do it. He, they went to the cliff of the hill, and he turned around and walked through them. And guess what? If they would have threw him off the hill, he still wouldn't have died. He had to give his body permission. Everybody says, this humble thing is good. This humility is strength. That's why he's highly exalted and given a name that's above every name. Now, I'm going to say this because I ain't going to lie to you. If I was walking up that hill of Golgotha, I would not have died. And you wouldn't have either. Now, if I would have walked up that hill with all that was in him, all that was in Jesus, I wouldn't have died. I would have walked up that hill and said, you know what, I cursed the cross, I cursed the hill, and everybody up on that hill, they better die for themselves. And you would have too. Because you would have, you like, well, why do I want to die for for them and they cursing at me and they doing this and they done beat me on that well, well no I'm not doing any of that and you would have too ask the person next to you would you have died now be careful with what you answer because we don't want God to get you out of here before your time lying well no let, let's just take it right here I'm going to show you that you wouldn't right now right where you are right now Jesus just slept, slipped right on the side of you and said, you know how much we all talk about heaven, how much beauty it is. If he slipped right in right now and said, you want to go to heaven right now? Everybody that has to do this. Ninety-nine Now let's go 100. Most of you in here, all of you in here would say, no. you're holy and you think you know it's good to say it when you know you're not going but what if he just slipped next to you and say okay time's up you want to go now how many of you say I'll go right there 
so I can get you down here and lay hands on you this way because you're lying. You know, I mean, I ain't going to lay hands. Lay hands. No, because you're lying. Now, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it, and then everybody just stay in your seat if not. Now, if you would, if you, if Jesus walked up to you right now and say, come on, I'm, you're going to drop right now, and you're going to come on and go to heaven, how many of you do it? Okay, sounds about right. Everybody tell me, I ain't going to play this game. I think she really know God. <laughs> Fool around, I'll be in heaven before. Yeah, well, you know, but we love heaven. We talk about how good heaven is. We talk about all our loved ones up in heaven. And we believe that. But do we want to go? So don't tell me you woke up Golgotha and you die for all of those that's cursing you and doing everything else. No way, no how. But Jesus did. Because he was humble. Strength. Had to have something to be humble with. I like people to tell the truth. Y'all say, thank you, Pastor, for telling the truth. You went a little further than us. You cursed the cross, the ground, and the people up on the hill. Yes, I would have did all of that. Because they dragging me to my death. Now, some of you probably wouldn't have did all that. You probably would just ran. But you, 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 weren't, go- you, not, you weren't trying to get on that cross. Because the Bible even tells you you wouldn't. He said, scarcely would a man die for somebody else. Very scarcely. You ain't, you ain't doing none of that. <laughs> now, humility also means not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. You know, when you think more highly of yourself than you ought, you mistreat each other. Did you know that? When you think more highly of yourself than you ought, you mistreat each other. That's what caused a person to talk about someone. And bring them down. It's pride. That pride jumps up in your head and you just say whatever's in your head. Don't always say whatever's in your head. Humility is yielding your advantage to another. Write it down. Humility is yielding your advantage. Because in order to have humility, you have the advantage. But you yielded to another. That is what Jesus did. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And while we were dead in our sins, He gave up His advantage. He gave it up for us. He left it in glory for us. Now when we think of it like that, the least we could do is be kind to each other. That's the least we could do. He gave up His advantage for us. Whenever, whenever we get angry, 99.9% of the time, pride is involved. Pride is involved. Somebody has done something to me, and then I get involved, so I'm now I'm angry. So now I'm going to get in the mess. But what Jesus did, he did something different. He esteemed others better than himself. Can you esteem somebody else better than yourself? He yielded his advantage for the sake of others. I'm telling you, that's that's just awesome to know. When the Bible says, let this mind be in you, we only want the good parts. By his stripes we heal. We only want that. But what about humility? 
What about yielding that advantage you have? Humble. Oh, I'm humble. I go to church all the time. Okay. Humility also means not putting myself in position to be exalted by man for self-recognition. Humility also means not putting myself in position to be exalted by man for self-recognition. See, I, and now one thing I don't like, I don't like people with a covert humility. You can't see it, but it's there. They know where to be and when to be there so somebody can see them. That's a covert humility. Let me make sure they see me. Let me make sure pastors see me doing this. Let me make sure I'm visible. Make sure That's a covert humility. Not good. They know where to sit. They know what to say. Some people in this church know everything. You'd be like, how did you know that? Oh, I mean, I just, you know, I just happened to hear it. Always in that place where you happen to hear. I'm the pastor and I don't hear all them those, those things. But you're always in that place where you hear it. See, you can always hear what you want to hear. And know everything you want to know if you position yourself. Are you with me? See, humility doesn't position themselves to be exalted by man. You shouldn't want to be exalted by man. You know, one thing that, that God has blessed me with, and I thank God for it, I can read people. And especially when they're negative. The gift of discernment. And this is one thing that God, and, and God has given this to me since the passing of my, my husband and because of the role that he put me in. I don't care what somebody has said about me or what somebody think of me or what they've done to me. I have now been able to separate, separate that from the person. I used to couldn't. It takes God. It doesn't matter what what was said, what was done, everything. Now I'm able to separate it from the person that done it or said it or whatever the situation. I'm able to do that. And I'm like, God, I was never able to do it. I didn't think it was possible to do. But by the Holy Spirit, He's been able, He said, you have to be able to separate any type of negativity. And why is that? You have to if it's negativity with a person, whatever you got to be able to separate that and still be able to minister to them. And God has blessed me with that. And I thank him for that. And you know why he told me that? He said, "Now, I'm doing this because if you keep things on you because of what someone done or something that was done, he said, and the person belongs to the ministry? How will you ever feel comfortable allowing them to move forward? Because you would be like, mm-mm, 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 because you're holding on to it. And, and everybody's, everybody's made a mistake before, and everybody can come away from it. And so how are you going to grow and develop if I keep that in me? 
How are you ever going to be able to move forward and grow and develop and help the ministry if I keep that in me? Because in the position that I'm in, it's up to me whether you grow and develop in this ministry. So if you kept that in you, you wouldn't let people, you wouldn't be like, no, I don't trust them. I don't trust them to do that. And God said, you must never, whatever negative thing they have done, with, done you, have to, you have to remove that from the person. Don't, you can't even let it bother you from the person. You gotta see that person as a person that is repentant, that has gone on, and now you need to help them get where they need to be. Because everybody's made a mistake. And everybody can change. Did you hear me? Everybody has made a mistake and everybody can change. And for me, I'm more interested in where you are, not where you've been. And I can also do it because I watched my pastor do it. And God put me in remembrance of that. And I'm still following my husband as he followed Christ. And so God, because of that, God has blessed me with that ability. And that's what you need to do. If there's anything in your heart toward anyone, about any situation, about anything, you need to remove that far from you and that person. You, got, you can't let because then you're not going to be able to let them grow. And especially in leadership. Especially in leadership. You've got to be free. Humility also, last, last one. Humility takes away your need to know everything. That's what humility does. It takes away your need to know everything, to be everywhere, to see everything, to be involved with everything. Humility rids you of that. You don't have to have that. Be everywhere, do everything, see everything. I Nope, don't have to. What I, had, what I did learn from my past, I learned, and I'm very cautious, very cautious with people. And pastor was very, very cautious with people. And so I try to notice those that are prideful. Because it goes before fall. And let me show you, it's easy to be noticed. For me, everybody said, just, we're just talking about for pastor. For pastor, for me, for me to notice you, I notice people that are not trying to be noticed. That's who I notice. People that's not jostling for position, that's who I notice. That's who I look at. Not those that try to let me see them. And pastor was that way too. Not those that tried to live. Mm-mm. If you're juggling for position and you know, you know, no, I'm ignoring you. I'm looking for those that are just not trying to be seen, but doing something. They doing something that nobody sees. He'd be like, "Wow, it's brought to my attention," and I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna keep my eye on that." Nobody never knew that. Are they not trying to be seen?
I've seen that in my deacons. Each and every one of our deacons, they don't josh for position, even in things that they do. And I watch for that. They yield to each other. They do what they got to do, and they, you know, they go on now. Whatever they do at home is different, but when they're here, they don't, they don't josh. They just do what they need to do. And I love that. And their humility caught my eye because I don't believe not a one of them are weak. They have strength. And I trust them. And I trust you all with them. And see, even though, you know, not only am I a female, but even though, you know, I stepped into this position that God has placed me in, and this, and you might not feel very comfortable saying, you know, oh, my pastor's a woman. You know, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that or whatever, and it, it doesn't even matter because it's not going to change anything. But, but, but even with all of that, you know, I still have this humility that I have to stay. I keep myself under because I'm like, you know, people, they struggle in different areas. But let the word prove itself. I'm not trying to prove anything to you. I'm not trying to prove you out to you I know how to pass it because guess what? I don't. God knows how. He teaches me. But 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 I trust it, it everybody anybody that I'm looking at, you know, I'm I'm trusting the congregation with. And you got to trust me that I know how to trust others with your life. It'll keep you from making dumb statements. Humility will keep you from trying to be cute. Humility will keep you from trying to be profound. No profundity here. And that's what my deacons are like. And, and, and that's why I can trust them with people. I can trust them to handle the situation. Oh, well, pastor's just saying, you know, we should just trust the deacons. Now, see, people are always here wrong. And they're not the only ones in here. I just, just was just talking about them as an example. There's many others in here. They doesn't jock for position. They humble themselves. They never try to do anything to, you know, you, you, you don't have to do any of that. Humility won't, won't make you do all of that. You just be who you are. And I'm out of time. And I still, but we still got next week. We still got next week, even though it's spring break. But I want you all to understand that. Humility, I want you, humility is strength. It's not weakness. It's not in a look. It's not in a walk. Humility is a strength. Humility is an advantage you have. You have to have something to be humble with. Jesus had something to be humble with. And he humbled himself for the advantage of others so that others could have the advantage. That's what you have to look at. I want to learn humility. Temperance is okay. Temperance is needed at a certain time. But humility takes it to another level. And temperance, you know, is, that's one of the gifts. I mean, you, you, you need that. You need to just obey the Word of God. Start there. Well, I'm just obeying the Word of God because it says it. 
I'm going to do it because the Word says it. And you keep doing it because the Word says it. I keep doing it because the Word says it. The Word says, fail not to assemble yourself as the matter of some. All the days you see the day approaching. That's so what? I'm doing because the Word says I need to get my tail in the church, in a seat in one of those red chairs. I'm doing it because the Word says it. Temperance. But humility said, I'm not only doing it because the Word said, I'm doing it because I care for you. And I love you. And I care about your life. And I care about what's happening with you. And I want to sit and talk to you. And I want to minister to you. And I want to help you. Because why? I have something for you. I have the advantage. And I yield that advantage so that you can be blessed. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.